Hello friends, Johnny here. The uh, robot is off this week, so it's my duty to welcome you to a fantastic new episode of Sauce Talk. We have Paul. It's Paul W. One of the top Pauls in the league. And uh, we recorded a really good episode. I hope you like it. And as you're going through, if you should happen to think that perhaps you are coming across a moment where something's a little off and something was edited, I would advise you to take care to not notice. Enjoy. Another exciting episode of Sauce Talk. And on the other line, one of our, our most very treasured guests, so close to our hearts, no matter how far apart we have to remain, it's Paul Whitehair. How are you doing, Paul? Hello, John. I'm doing well. How about yourself? Oh, doing pretty good. I uh, I went out for a walk after work oh. today. I like to go out for like a, an afternoon stroll whenever I finish up. And as is my want, I am usually... Uh, playing Pokemon Go, and so I'm just catching all the Pokemon and doing all the good stuff, grabbing all the gems, and I, I was out for like, let's say, 45 minutes, and I was moderately far from home, and then I just looked up, and there's like the biggest, darkest storm clouds in the sky, oh, and no. I'm like, I am so oblivious that I just wandered <laughs> so far away from my house, and have to go not so even far in, back. Not even in like a circle where you're like at some point making no, no, most like yeah. straight line out of here. I started like one direction away, and then turned like perpendicular to that. So, on the whole, a very effective way in a block system to get away from my house. Beautiful. Uh, but I noticed it like just in time, and it was like starting to sprinkle when I got home. I hightailed it back. We made it just in time, so it's been a good day. Well, I'm glad that yeah, I'm glad you didn't get poured on. Yeah, I, I really thought it was going to happen uh, when I when I saw it coming. I thought, boy, I fucked this up, but everything's all good. Uh, speaking of things that are good, hey Paul, eat anything good lately? John, I have, and I know uh, we've talked about it a lot of times. A lot of the a lot of the group is now um, uh, vegetarian, or you know, certainly not inclined to eat meat anymore, but. Uh, as much anymore, but I had a uh, fillet. My mother-in-law made uh, fillets on the grill um, two days ago, uh, and they were perfect. Uh, she also made a homemade um, blue cheese butter for the top Ooh. of them. So it, it was. I don't know where you stand on the blue cheese debate, but I am well into the corner of blue cheese. Right there with you. I love that blue cheese. Oh man. I, uh, it will usually always be my, if, if I'm at like a steakhouse and having a steak, if they have, no matter what the upcharge, uh, if they have like a blue cheese bake or crust on top, I'll always almost 100% go for it. Uh, my dad was an extremely anti blue cheese guy and it always came like, so obviously I would not, like if I was cooking for him, I would not just be like, fuck you, here's some blue cheese. And if he was cooking for me, he wasn't touching the stuff. He hated it. So it would come out in restaurants. And like I was very similar in that, uh, obviously, if there's a salad, but also, as you say, if there's if there's some sort of like 
I got like a blue cheese parm crust on this thing. I'm like, holy fuck, that's all I want. I don't need anything yeah. else. Just bring me that. It's going to be wonderful. And my dad would regularly make jokes about uh, disowning me to the waitress, which she did not understand because <laughs> she doesn't know our backstory. Uh, very awkward, but uh, good dad stuff. But yeah, it, it's a it's a big divide. But I'm right there with you. I want all the blue cheese I can acquire. Oh, my uh, my dad also makes jokes like that. Where to the waitress? Uh, well, there. Well, like the waitress is like trying to get away to go do her job, but instead has to listen to this fucking guy tell a joke or some like <laughs> story that they're uh, that the waitress could not care less about. It's it's a it's a strong dad move. But it's also oh, like yeah. most of the dad moves are secretly very nice. Harassing the waitress, not especially <laughs> nice. Like, dad's going to get that one out. It's not my favorite thing in the whole world. Yeah. It's like, man, yeah, I, I've seen my dad at work. And when somebody would come up to him and be like, hey, talk to me instead of doing your job and getting money for three minutes. He'd be like, I'm going to fucking kill that guy. <laughs> right. That guy comes back, you let me know, and I'll go in the backyard and hide. But but if it's a waitress, <laughs> I guess it's fine. Uh Either way, it, so- it sounds like an amazing meal. I'm glad you got to enjoy that. It was good. Uh, it was very good. That will take us. We don't need any segues. If I tried to do one, it would probably be terrible anyway. Uh, we'll just go straight into Paul Whitehair. How do you how do you respond when you hear this phrase? Complimenting strangers. Complimenting strangers. So. How I'm thinking of it is a stranger complimenting me, um, which it makes me extremely, extremely uncomfortable um, because I don't know what the – I don't know how you take it. I don't know what the protocol is. I don't know if it's just to say thanks, if I'm supposed to scramble to compliment them about something, which has always been bad. It's always been like something that is like, oh, I like your ba- bag or whatever um or the the terrible where somebody says something very specific about you they're like hey johnny i really like your haircut uh and then you're like you too you know it's it's just it's not a good situation um and it makes me like i it makes me anxious thinking about it right now i i agree with you on a lot of things i do like first off the concept that if someone, a stranger who you're not expecting to speak with, compliments you, one of your potential reactions is try to compliment them back in the natural flow of conversation. Because that's impossible. You can't, yeah. there's no way someone could be like, hey man, cool hat. And you could instantly reply with a legitimate compliment. Like, I'm just, yeah, you got right. a shirt. It's like, this is a white fucking t shirt, bro. What do you Exactly. Like, unless, unless they have some, like, I don't know, like a way, I don't know, a waiting for Guffman shirt, right? That like or, or you if, they had me- the sa- if they had the same thing that, that you could like immediately lock in on. But like if it's just somebody with like a button up shirt or something like like to your point, if it's just a white shirt, like what are you yeah. go- going to say? Yeah, like there's sometimes somebody will do that thing, which I don't like this either. Which okay, I'll just get I'll put it up for my cards on the table. I don't need any compliments from strangers. Right? Uh, yeah. But sometimes somebody will do that, like, nice hat. And then I initially start to say thanks, but then I look and, like, they're wearing the same hat. And so oh, yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't need that either. But at least then we are 
we're we're acknowledging a thing. Yeah, that, yeah, that is better. I'm. Uh, that's also awkward because then you're like, you know, they're like nice. You say you've got a Cubs hat, and somebody's like, nice hat. You see, they've got the same hat, and then you just kind of point them. You're like, ah. And then that was, and, and then the conversation over. That's as good as that can go because it's also exactly. very easy for somebody to be like, "Nice hat," and I'm like, "Thank, oh, you're wearing this, bye," and you're just already <laughs> past each other. It's like, well, yep, yep. So I, this was just you making fun of me. Great, I'm glad we did yep. this. John, will you yourself compliment a stranger? Say, if you're at a bar or something and you see somebody with a very cool T-shirt or something, or like a T-shirt of a like some like super indie band or something that uh, is not super well known, will you say something generally or no? I have a specific strategy here. I, I will if I, if I feel particularly drawn to it, and that usually means if I feel intoxicated. Uh, right. But I will do it in a way where I, I consume the conversation the moment it happens, where like I will legitimately – being like, I'm not going to say anything until I'm leaving. Yeah. Then I'll walk 100%. by them and I'll be like, it's a good shirt. And I'm already out the door. hundred percent. Yeah. That's the only way to do it. The only way to play it is to not allow for any kind of response. And get the I, fuck out. <laughs> I can't conceive of a situation in which I would do this to a woman. No. Oh no. I feel like, any woman has such a horrifying time. And then also, I fucking know what I look like. And I'm like, here comes this. Seems like he's walking towards me. Still walking towards me. He says he likes my shoes and he's standing there. Like, this, it, it's completely off the table. Right, yeah. But well, uh, as you described. Couldn't agree more. Uh, a, a, a cool hat, a t-shirt that is, is specific enough that I legitimately think about this. Um... It reminds me. This is a good story. Uh, remember, this is this is this is somewhat tangential, but I think fun enough to walk in. Uh, do you remember? I can't say friend of the show because he's never been on the show, and I haven't talked to him in like seven years. But do you remember uh, our old pal Matt Friedlander? I do. Yeah. QB QB one QB one. That's correct. Um, at the very beginning of law school. Uh, I was at that, uh, there was some sort of like people who are new should go to this bar thing. Mm -hmm. And I can't even, Barfly, is that what bar, is that what Blind Pig 2 was called before it was? Yeah, I think, I think that, right. that, sounds, that sounds right to me. Had that really good little alley patio thing. Yeah. I was out there and I found myself sitting at a table with Matt Friedlander and I didn't know who he was, but he was wearing an arcade fire t-shirt. And now uh, it's not right. like the most impressive thing to be wearing an arcade fire t-shirt in 2008 like they've been around for a minute there's there's there are post funeral albums out so it's not like i'm basically best friends with david bowie and we're the only ones right. who about arcade fire i was at the empty bottle show it was kind of a big deal but maybe you weren't there uh none of that's going on so if they're like an established band and uh i was like I like cool music. I'll tell this guy I like his T-shirt. And again, not really strangers. I think we had already spoken to some extent. And uh, I was sitting at a table with him already. I didn't walk up and say this. Uh, but So I, I lean in, and I'm like, uh, I don't lean in too close. I lean in an appropriate distance. And I say, uh, 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 hey, I like your shirt. And he goes, 
thanks. And then like four beats and then Oh. Do you actually know the band or do you just like the shirt? That's the worst way you can do this. Oh no. It was so insulting. And of course I'm like, yeah, I know the band but then like now I'm like, am I supposed to just start doing a track list to suggest that I'm telling the truth? How would he even believe me? To prove this worth to like some oh. new person that you'll have to interact with again because you're now going to school with them. And I like became friends with them. Probably not the best yeah. idea, um, given our initial interaction. Ended up being mostly be, being a good time. I like that guy. I wish I still talked to that guy, and I do not. But that 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 is not how you do the uh, even no, that's, somewhat stranger interaction for that. That's the wor- That's the worst way to do it. The only time that I feel a little comfortable doing it is, and not really anymore because I don't really go out on this day anymore, but like Halloween when like if someone's dressed as some ancillary character in some small budget movie you've seen or something like that, right? So you can be like, oh, I really like your X character costume because to me that's like, oh, they'll like that because maybe not a lot of people are realizing what the costume is but to your point i will say that and then i will like immediately it's it, there's like exit strategy for it the exit strategy is always the way to play it. and you're right uh, halloween is a good exception to this because on halloween you can have confidence people put thought and effort and want to be accepted based on what they're doing for all you right. know somebody's worn this hat 300 times or somebody's had this t-shirt on two dozen weeks in a row and so right. it's it's meaningless to them. They're going to be like, am I wearing a T-shirt? Oh, okay, yeah, okay, cool, whatever. Halloween, somebody's done it. Uh, I, I I can definitely, yeah, I think that's maybe the best possible exception. Yeah. I, I think I think we've uh, surrounded this issue. Complimenting strangers, generally not a good idea. And Correct. strangers complimenting us. Generally not a good idea. Correct. 100% in. Paul Whitehair, you know what's next up. Let's inc- hear it. Let's do an incredibly quick baseball segment. Uh, baseball is in yeah. the news. we got to talk about it just a little bit. Uh, let's start with, is this really going to happen? I don't know how it does um i agree i'm betting against this i think so i I don't think that it's going to happen or at least not in the immediate that they're planning on but then if we don't get 60 games that's the only window what do you what do you do you don't you know you're not having a 30 game season like it just doesn't make sense are the playoffs going to be longer than the season is that the plan right and I know the point is to get to the playoffs because at this at that point it'll be like the only revenue generator uh, for the whole season because I think teams will be losing a bunch of money per game. Um, but I just I don't see the I don't see the path forward. I don't think that they're I mean I don't think they're even considering right doing the the basketball like bubble thing. No, that seems off the table right now. And it also like first off. <laughs> Uh, too bad for basketball. You put your bubble in Florida. Seems like a mistake in retrospect. Right, because that's what I was about to say. Is like, do you remember initially? They it was were Arizona and Florida, yeah. Arizona and Florida, which are like the two fucking worst yeah, places exactly. to be right yeah, now. I can't imagine a worse place to do it. So, I mean, really what we need is 
it, it, bubble in Minnesota, Alaska, bubble in Alaska. Yeah, I mean there there's ways to do this, but we're not doing those ways, and we didn't even right. come close to negotiating stuff like that because we couldn't negotiate like the easy stuff. And so the right. actual like, by the way, why are we gonna get on even? charter planes and fly all over the country over and over that doesn't right. what's the use of going to these empty stadiums in our cities who gives us shit if, right. we, if we can't sell any tickets what the fuck is the point of playing games in Chicago and New York who cares right. I don't know why also, this was ever the plan also I want to get your thoughts on this because I, I think this to be true I think that all of the offers that MLB sent to the MLBPA were they knew that none of them were ever going to be accepted it was always to get to this commissioner decision point where he gets to make the decision like they there were never any real offers that they thought anyone would take it was always to get to this point the the first like three offers the owners made all looked different but they were exactly the same and they were all you get the amount of pay for like 47 games or whatever the number is and then you play like 80 games and then like oh right. well, now there's only enough time to play 72 games so You'll get pro rate. You won't get pro rated pay. You'll get pay for let's say forty games, and we'll play seventy two games. And they were right. all exactly the same offer. And then I, I think the players' union very successfully called their bluff and said, "If you want us to not uh, uh, challenge this going forward, if you want us to waive all that, then give us something." And the ownership was never willing to do that. I think the, right. the owners are a bunch of shit bags. And also, also, I mean, it's been reported the whole time that like. A third of the league doesn't give a shit if they play this year or not. Right. Which tells you all you need to know about how much the people who own baseball teams like baseball. Like, exactly. Yeah. Like, they're, I mean, they're always crying about losing money and stuff like that, but they're not. They're not. It's just like a, it's a whole ruse about, like, you know, when that report came out and it was, like, really damning to, like, the pirates and, and teams mm -hmm. like that that don't spend any money. And then you see that their bottom line, they made a shit, like it leaked that they made like a shit ton of money, uh, which is why the owners would never open up the books um, because they love crying like they're not making money. I know that the, I certainly know that the Indians, being a fan of them, always would say they're not. We can't sign Lindor because we're not making any money. You guys aren't coming to the game. The, the, the Cubs and Cardinals, you know, aligned. Their ownerships both came out and were like, this is just a bad industry to make money. Even though, like, even if even if that were true, which it is patently false, just look at the value of the Cubs now compared to when the Ricketts bought them. Even if right. this was a business that was incapable, like, if there was just a rule that every dollar of profit just goes in the fucking sewer and you lose it, that would be irrelevant given how right. much that team is worth now. If it's so bad, sell the team. Great news. Exactly. You tripled your investment in eight years. Where else can right. you do that? Nowhere. Nobody right. ever gets to do that. And you did that on top of all the money you've made. Right. Uh, it's outrageous. That, now, John, I have a, a broad question for you, and I don't want to sound um, like brimstone, fire and brimstone. If we don't have a season this year, I, I don't want to say can baseball survive it, because obviously the, it's, it's not going – Major League Baseball is not going to fold. But seeing the decline, you know, the average fan of baseball is like a 50-some-year-old white man. And we are the young folks. Steadily, it's us. I know we're the right. Exactly. Can't. I mean, how big of an impact do you see not having a season being on what's already kind of declining in popularity? Uh, I think it's an enormous impact. Um, 
it obviously a lot of it weighs on whether other sports come back. Right. You do feel like I don't know if I want to live in the country where the NFL doesn't come back. Because if the NFL doesn't come back, what must have happened? Right. Like, I, I don't feel like they should, but I also feel like they are the ones who have the most power and will just press the issue. So that's coming back. Um, I don't know. Everything looks pretty shitty. I don't think it's off the table that, like, the NBA stuff just falls apart, and in the end it's hard to get too down on baseball for not getting it worked out, even though they have different issues. But like as we discussed today, we, we've resolved those issues in a way that uh, allows the players to still file a grievance, but we just go have a season. Right. But that won't be how it's remembered if nobody else comes back. But if, if, if the COVID stuff looks better and baseball is the only one to not come back, people are happy to hop off the baseball thing anyway. I think it's a truly terrible look, and I think that like I've always been a skeptic. Like you can always go back and look in like newspapers in the twenties and thirties talking about how baseball isn't as good as it used to be and baseball is dying. And I've always been like baseball is doing great. Just look how many people right. go to a baseball game every year compared to all the other sports. This is this is how you break it though. This is yeah. absolutely how you, like the worst timing and the worst handling. And gotta say, if we cancel this season going to next year. Stuff doesn't look great for like getting a deal done for next year, and then after oh, next 100%. year, the CBA is up. Right, <laughs> it's, it can get so worst, much worse. It's the worst possible time. For what if, to be what, going what on. if baseball ends because baseball ends, and it's just we never right, play yeah. that game again? Uh, it's a it's a potential. I mean, again, all sorts of potentially positive ways this could go, but you you can see the the writing there now, not the writing on the wall, but you can see like the path towards. Right like this actually going badly. And I didn't used to really think that was there. I just thought these TV contracts are so big and people love baseball. And just look how many people go to baseball games every year. Right. And we're just doing everything we can to negate all those good things. Yeah. But there are still some good things about baseball. And one of them is, Paul, would you like to open a pack? John, can I say the answer is absolutely 1000% yes. I also inspired by your videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, I, I told you my dad came up yes. uh, on Sunday and I made him bring up my baseball cards. I think I'm missing a box of some of my best cards, um, which is very troubling. Cause I used to have a ton of like, cause I used to buy old cards when I was a kid. Oh, nice. Um, but I, I, I'm missing some and I think maybe they were lost in a move or something. Anyways, but I made him bring him up, and I like started to go through what I had, uh, and it was very fun. It, it, it's been a great experience for me. Uh, we're going to use this as a jumping-off point. I'm, I'm still planning to continue the entire series, but this counts it. as an episode right now. Paul, let's see what kind of thoughts we have on the players we find in this pack. Okay. I'll try to reveal, reveal them to you first. Okay. Oh, I can actually read the back. That's probably not going to work at all. This is Eddie Williams. You got a lot of Eddie Williams thoughts. Padres first base. I, you know, to be honest with you, I remember the name, but I couldn't tell you anything about him. Yeah, this is this is a bullshit card. This guy is like, oh, he played in five seasons, but then you look, he played eighty six to ninety. 
and then out of the majors for three years, and then he played again in 94, 510 career at-bats. Wow. Very sparingly used player. Yeah, fuck this guy. Eddie, I, I don't feel even slightly bad for not knowing Eddie Williams. But the next one we're going to have a lot of comments about. It's Mo Vaughn. Oh, God. what? Where do I start about Mo Vaughn? I did find, in mine, I found that I had put Mo Vaughn in a case, uh, like a hard case when I was a kid. Um, but I think you know how I feel about Mo Vaughn uh, and stealing uh, an MVP from Albert Bell. That's when true. He certainly, when Albert Bell certainly deserved it and had better stats in almost every single statistical category. Um, that being said, and I have contempt for Mo Vaughn. He did have a very uh, – do you remember his swing? It was like – he was like big and it was like hunched over. It was a very cool – like his shoulders like up in his swing. eyes, yeah. Yeah. I feel like the art of um, cool swings is dying with like analytics and stuff like that. It's very similar to the basketball thing where everybody gets so much training early on in their lives is they right. just homogenize everything and everybody shoots the same – Everybody swings the same. Pitchers don't have such distinctive rotations anymore, uh, motions anymore. Yeah, it's uh, it's a shame. Do you remember when Mo Vaughn, I think this was when he was with the Angels, fell in the dugout and, like, almost died? Yep. That sucked. Yep. Um, yep. But, yeah, I always liked Mo Vaughn. I don't know if you can see it here, but really cool picture as well. It's like, sleep, like that, that might be the best picture of Mo Vaughn ever taken. Like, yeah. he looks... He looks fairly trim. The arms look good. Arms are enormous. No one in the yeah. major leagues has arms that big today. Yeah. Aaron Judge does not have arms like that. 100%. It was a different 100%. time. And that yeah. that sleeveless shirt, but not like the uh, where the sleeves get thin, but it's just like cut off. That's a, yeah. that's a cool look in, in the 90s, and it's not a cool look any other time. Um, 90 uh, MLB Network this past weekend was playing uh, old home run derbies. And, man, they used to be so much more fun than they are now. And I know that, like, I you know, nostal everybody uh, goes on the side of, like, nostalgia. But, man, they were just so much more fun to watch. Uh, like, it was their back-to-back. I think probably why they were doing it is because it was, like, the Father's Day thing. And it was Griffey when he won back-to-back in, I think, 98, 99 when like Maguire and, and Sosa were in it as well. But man, it was, it was so much fun. And like, like re, like the stars, the real stars used to be in it. Not that like, I think it hasn't Chris Davis been in it lately, but uh, yeah. and it's like, eh. it, yeah, it, it's a mess now. It's not as exciting. They changed the format a bunch of times, but I also kind of think I was just a kid. I was more into it. I remember it, when it used to all-star, all-star break would come up. And then uh, ESPN would show the old home run derbies all day long. And so it would be during the summer, and I would just be a kid at home. And then, like, I I think in, like, 92 or 93, maybe 93, they had the All-Star game in Baltimore. And uh, I think Ken Griffey Jr. won there, and he hit a home run off the the building across the way. Yeah. And I and like I was too little to see that. So I remember being like 13 years old, loving Ken Griffey Jr. already. And they'd be like, oh, there's an old Ken Griffey Jr. thing you can put on. And be like, this is the best show I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, yeah. I've never seen anything so fucking cool. 
better days. Chili Davis. Uh, I really like Chili Davis. Uh, I always have one. I probably because he had such a cool name, and I like thought that it was. Um, but Chili Davis is still a hitting. Co- he was a Cubs hitting coach for a while. It didn't go great at the end. No, after, yeah. after he left, he, uh, I, if I remember correctly, he said that the big issue with coaching the Cubs, being the hitting coach for the Cubs, was he was unable to connect with millennials. Oh no! And it's like, well, Chili. You might need to go find another line of work then, because we're not going to find older. I guess you can go be the coach for like a Sunday league, but uh, right. we're not. Gonna, it's going to be younger people than you. Also, Chili Davis. I mean, not that old. It's not like he's some seventy-five-year-old coach. How old is he? When was he born? Nineteen sixty. Okay, so he is honestly I mean, older than I would have guessed. His career started yeah, in nineteen eighty-one. That is older than I thought. Chili Davis career high in home runs. Guess. Career high in home runs. Yep. I think it's lower than what we think. But then you're going to do a good job here. I think it's 26. 29. I definitely would have said he had like a 38 home run season. Yeah. Also, didn't know this. Chili Davis born in Jamaica. Oh. I I had no idea. Interesting. Didn't know that either. Next up, we've got our. I let's go ahead and get our hopes out. This is our our silver signature card for the pack. So you're okay. hoping, hoping for a big start, but also silver signature generally means we did not get a gold signature in this pack. Disappointing, but at least our silver signature is Chuck Finley. Oh yeah, love Chuck Finley. Chuck Finley, most famous. Isn't he the guy who got beat up by Tony Katan? Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that's right. So, like, that's better. And then I think he also lost the one-game playoff against the Mariners in 95. Yeah. And did he? I assume, other than that, pretty good career, though, right? Yeah, I, I always thought that he seemed, like, cool. Like, you know, he, like, had the long hair and he was cool. He reminded me, and I don't know why, of uh, like a Craig Kilborn. T- if like Craig Kilborn played <laughs> baseball, Chuck Finley is six six. That's big. That's tall. Pretty good. Also, I see. This is another. This is a age bias thing. I I remember like late period Chuck Finley, who like had the reputation of an ace, but wasn't really that good. Nineteen ninety, he had a two forty ERA and two hundred and thirty six innings pitched. Wow. Fucking great. Uh, still, though, stats were different back then. 240 ERA in 236 innings pitched, and he had 177 strikeouts and 81 walks. Barely 2-1. to one. Like, that, it would be just wholly unacceptable today. One other thing about Chuck Finley, where would you, what state would you guess he is from? I would guess California. Like I, he just seemed exactly like that. That would, would have been my guess. Well. Yep. Yeah. California. He's, he's big. He's got that. It's not like super blonde. But he's got light hair. He is from yeah. Monroe, Louisiana. Oh, way off. Not even close. Yeah. I that wouldn't have been in my top fifteen guesses. Honestly, yeah, not even close. Next up, oh, we got two cards stick together. Okay, no, we have this. It is 
We've had so many Dodgers in our early going here. We're going to do it again. Eric Karos. Eric Karos. Uh, Eric Karos. He, uh, he was – what do I remember about Eric Karos? Didn't he, did he date somebody famous? Ooh, I don't know anything about this. Maybe maybe not. Um, but good looking guy, right? Are you thinking of, Are you thinking of Ray J? <laughs> Ray J of sexy can I fame? Yeah, he dated someone. I don't know who, but he dated someone famous. <laughs> um, Eric Caros. Uh, Eric Caros. He would be one of the guys that I remember as like a Dodger, Dodger kind of guy. He was in that 90s. run in the early '90s, where the, yeah. I think the Dodgers won four Rookie of the Years in a row. Yeah, it was. Let's uh, okay. Let's do it. Yeah, Piazza's in there. I I want to say one of them was Todd Hollinsworth, and maybe oh. and maybe Nomo Hideo Nomo was the last one. Is that is that line up approximately? I guess Nomo would be after this. That's yeah. Or. Sean Green. I want to say I want to say Sean Green is later. Well, we have the internet. I'm going to I'm going to confirm this. Dodgers. I want to. I for some reason I feel like Eric Karros like really fell off. Like there was there it wasn't like a gradual decline. It was like I could be wrong. I could be remembering. I I, I think. Well, I mean, I have a lot of Eric Karros thoughts because he eventually. Rolled into the Cubs. Um, oh, quickly. Oh, that's not that. That was the wrong one. Oh no, we were off here. It's a longer streak than we thought. How did this happen? The Dodgers had the Rookie of the Year in ninety two, ninety three, ninety four, ninety five, and ninety six. Whoa! Let, let me hear some names. Ninety two, Eric Caros. Okay. 93, Mike Piazza. 94, I'm going to skip for now. 95 is Nomo. 96 is Todd Hollinsworth. Oh, so really we had nicely the, done, John. We had all the names. We missed 94. Now, Mike Piazza is the coolest guy in the group. There can be no right. doubt. 94 is pretty fucking cool. Okay. Um, Let's think about playing for the Dodgers. Maybe he's got a, a really strong arm out there in right field. All right, tell me. It's Roy Mondesi. Oh! Yeah. Damn it. Yeah, he was like a mega phenom. He, yeah. When and, he was in the So Mondes. much of it was just ball in the corner, out at second by 15 feet. What happened? Right. Like, I didn't read the scouting report. I don't give a shit who's playing right field. I hit the ball in the corner. I get it. What the fuck? Why is the ball yeah. there? Such a cool guy. And oh, then just God. monumental home runs. And then obviously didn't work out to, like, the most amazing career, but... Right. Really, and then now his kid, amazing. Yeah, but he was a very cool player. Like yeah, a very, he, like very cool. He, you know what he cool is? He, he's 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 lesser Vlad. Yes. It's like what yes. if what if he just was not quite as cool and not quite as good at all the Vlad fights? Right. But Vlad is a Hall of Famer, and if you look at his numbers, mostly on the basis of being cool. Vlad is a very like edge case Hall of Famer, and then he gets it on the first ballot because. That's the fucking coolest guy I ever saw. So, yeah, yeah he's in. So, being 80% of that is fucking great. 
Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get a Royal Mondesi card. We have this Eric Karos card. I have more to say about Eric Karos. Uh, I want to hear it. He eventually showed up on the 2003 Cubs, and they brought him in in that fucking Dusty Baker. They acted like he was going to be like, oh, he'll just be half the platoon in the small half because Karos is left-handed. No, no, Karos is right-handed, so he's just going to face the lefties. And then our great prospect, you know who I'm going to say, everybody say it with me, he stopped Choi, he's up, he's going to kill it, and he's left-handed, so he'll play, he'll get all the playing time. And it was just fucking bullshit. And Karos just got all the playing time. Choi got no shot. It was bullshit. Uh, Karos did, I remember, on Sunday Night Baseball in 2003, uh, Roger Clemens, they were just started interleague play, Roger Clemens had 299 wins when the Yankees came to Chicago. And it was like the first time the Yankees had been to Chicago since the uh, Babe Ruth called shot, which I think he called it. And uh, Eric Kuros in the seventh inning hit a three-run homer off of Roger Clemens and ruined his bid for 300 wins. He had to go someplace else. And get, he got it eventually, but... Uh, uh, Kerry, I, I want to say it was it was either Wood or Pryor. I believe it was Kerry Wood that night. Outdueled Roger Clemens, deprived him of his so desired 300th win. What a great night that was! Good, good tidbit, John. Don't look any of that up. I mean, some of those are probably not. Right. <laughs> oh, but man, as a as a reward for you saying something nice about me, how about we go ahead and pull out a fucking Albert Bell card? Oh, John. What? How did we get this my... pack for you? This is amazing. He's, he's one of my favorite players of all oh. time. He's the first 50-50 player in Major League Baseball history. Had it not been for the degenerative hip condition, who knows? Who knows what he went to, like, what he, kind of career he would have had with the White Sox. Robbed of an MVP. Go, everyone, go look it up. Go to his baseball reference and look how he was absolutely robbed. Um, and he was like, you know, he's a full-time asshole. Like, the, there are plenty of stories out there where he's like the worst guy in the whole world. Chasing but, around trick-or-treaters and stuff. Right, but man, was he was he fun to watch. He had such a cool swing, you know, going back to swings. He had such a cool swing where he, like, crouched down and it looked like he'd like lift huge whole, elbow up yeah huge all elbow the way back. and then he'd like lift his whole body up and just absolutely unload it uh, looks like a swing designed to not be able to adjust to a breaking pitch but oh, it, it never mattered it just he just, yeah. just i'll just fucking wait and then crush the ball yeah I better feel always especially him. especially early in his career better fielder than you would have thought he was i was going to point out that in 1993 23 stolen bases yeah, everybody thinks that he's like Frank Thomas out there, but he, especially early on, but also most until, as you say, his body deteriorated. You know, yeah. a fast guy, a good defensive player, and I mean, you have to, you have to for fifty doubles. So I mean, you gotta, many you extra got... base hits. He was that right. was always his thing. Is like he's, he did, he did the fifty fifty thing. But even in those other years, he's hitting thirty five doubles in addition to his right. thirty five home runs, which is just not what you normally see. He's just. He's just crushing the ball every single time up. You know something else he crushed? Fernando Vina's job. <laughs> Fernando Vina made a mistake by trying don't, to tag out Albert Bell. Don't if you want get to have a tracks. job, don't do that. Right. 
You know he's crazy, and he's got giant forearms. Get out of the way. That's one of those things I would like to see happen again. I, I oh. can't imagine what the reaction would be in 2020 if someone was like, hmm, I don't want to get tagged out, so I'll just crush this man who's a foot shorter than me and 100 pounds less than me. Right. I mean, how many games suspend? I don't, I don't remember how many games he got suspended for that. But if that were to happen now, half a season, I don't know. I think they should let him play extra games if that happens. Same. This is a, a really good pack. Up next, Fred McGriff. Oh, my gosh. Tom Amansky's. Tom Amansky. Back to back to back. He's a, a prime dog. He, now, you want to talk about a cool fucking batting stance. Just like the chillest dude in that high finish, just dropping it back there. Always love Fred love, McGriff. I love the way he wore his hat, too, where it was like... All the way on top of somehow, his head. It, it was like somehow not coming up. Like, you would have thought looking at it that like any kind of gust of wind is, <laughs> is taking that thing completely off. But it seemed to be fine. Man, Fred McGriff hit 30 home runs every year from 88 to 94. How many, what did he end up with? Well, I can only go to 1994 because... Oh, right, 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 right. But I want to say he's the guy who finished just barely short at like 493 or something. I think that you're right. I can look it up too. Keep all this time in of what of us just looking. No, at. yeah, I want to know what the number is. Fred McGriff. All right, John, unbelievable. Four ninety three. I think that's what you said, right? That's what I said. That's amazing. Yeah. He also, was so close. Uh, also, twenty four, uh, two thousand four hundred ninety hits. Wow. Two eighty four batting at that's really good. Really great career. He played until he's 40. I always liked, this was something I mimicked uh, as a player myself. I liked how far away from the plate he stood. Yeah. Like he was like all the way in the back corner, just dove out at the plate. And so like all the pitches looked the same because he was coming from 10 feet away. Now, yeah. difference being, Frederick Griff is probably like 6'4 and then had those long arms. And I was like, you know, 5'8 playing whatever. Yeah. Game. And so I, I couldn't do that, but I I was very afraid of getting hit by the pitch. So I, I like that back corner because I'm like I can bail out if I need to. Right. So he's he's a real hero. This, of mine. this is a really cool pack. Um. Oh, next up is our our fantasy team card. Third baseman on the uh, fantasy team for this year is of course Matt Williams because he was going to hit like 65 home runs. Yep. Um. Not a great manager, but uh, he loved to hit dingers, and I like that. Seemed yeah, like good, cool good. Yeah, good player, bad manager. Uh, I remember him making a lot of funny expressions playing third base over there. Yeah, like he was very confused and stuff. But I think I remember. Now it could just be this was like highlight culture because certainly the mid '90s peak 
of highlight culture and sports center and all of this. I remember him making a lot of barehanded plays over at third base. But yeah. also, he's so big. He has so many home runs. There's no way he was any good at third base, right? Like, if we could go back and look, he probably sucked. I, uh, yeah, I, I would imagine that his, like, zone rating is really bad. Yeah. Um, and that, like, we're probably remembering things that just, like, happenstance jumped into his bare hand. Yeah, like, he's just, like, one of those total frauds from that era, like Omar Vizquel. Okay, anyway, our next Oh, okay. <laughs> Matt Williams always looked like a guy to me um, that, like, you just plucked out of the Iowa cornfield, and you're like, well, you're a baseball player because yeah. you look like one. He's like, what if we had a thick Mickey Mantle? Could I <laughs> exactly. have to play third base instead of center field. Sounds good. Worked out okay. Maybe you can tell me more than I know about John Huder. No, no, it's Hugh Deck. H-U-D-E-K. You know a lot about John, John Hudeck? Uh, I, I don't know a lot about John Hudeck. Looks like he has a pretty decent stretch, though. Yeah. I think he's doing a slide step here. Probably got a man on. Uh, it's, it's, I got to say, this guy was a 28-year-old rookie in 1994. I don't feel too bad. John Hudeck, we're on to the next. I hope you're doing well, John. Probably doing better than I am. Uh, now, I kind of hate this guy. Maybe you'll like him more. We might have different associations. Got a lot of takes on J-Bell. I never liked J-Bell either. Um, and I don't know why. I think as a kid, there were such cooler Bells. Uh, not Albert, but like George Bell was a lot cooler. So like, I just felt like as far as the Bell last name you're getting with j-bell you're getting the short end of the stick if you don't mind going plural you got the bells on uh, law and order that's pretty good <laughs> a lot of good bells from that area era uh who who uh uh i guess nobody on saved by the bell was named bell were they i was all excited to go to save but it wasn't like here comes the principal principal bell we gotta yeah. watch out for him what was J Bell's uh, average in '94? Two seventy six. That's better than I thought it would be. Nine home runs, but 35, 35 doubles. But yeah, there's not a, a whole lot here to like. Um, he hit sixteen home runs in '91, so he was on all those really good Pirates teams. Yeah, I didn't know this. He he started out with the Indians '86 to '88, but. Uh, at most 211 at bat so very much a bench player and a lousy one at that but then uh, he was on those good Pirates teams with uh, Bonilla and Bonds and I'm sure he was considered like oh he's the he's the guy he's the glue who holds the team together and it's like ah oh, really he just plays okay defense and hits for an okay he's average just... hits for okay power and... right this kind of looks he's like kind of like He's like that replacement level, maybe slightly above replacement level. Yeah, he's like a two-win that you see so often. Yeah, it's just like fine. I'll take yeah. one of those, but then it's like you know what we ought to do is just get someone who can actually fill up the position. Right. And you know he had seven home runs instead of nine. Thank you, Jay. Oh, here's another one. Always hated this guy, but then this was the peak of like Yankee hatred. How do you feel about Jimmy Key? Jimmy Key, I, I I don't hate Jimmy Key. I I didn't grow up a Yankee hater, really. Um, and I always thought that Jimmy Key was kind of cool. 
um, for no other reason than I think he pitched in like one of the first playoff games that maybe I was really interested in. Um, and always thought that he just kind of looked, I just thought that he looked cool and he had like, Jimmy Key is a very cool name. Jimmy Key is an like, incredible Like very cool, it's like, like a really cool pitcher's name. Um, and I think that he was, and maybe I could be remembering it wrong, like, I think he was flagged to be like a, a great, like one of the next great Yankees starters and it never really worked out. So he, he was always kind of like a, what, like a three, four guy. Especially I could be remembering it incorrectly. Teams, yeah. No, I think that's exactly yeah. right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think I always had an affinity for Jimmy Key for like completely superficial reasons. I, I can't remember what it was. I remember like, especially back in that time, you didn't have, you know, just every game available to watch. And so outside of the Cubs, I would, and then you also, then you had a lot of Braves games, which is why I liked Fred McGriff so much. And all those guys, you could just watch every Braves game on TBS. But then in the playoffs, especially by the time I'm like a little bit older, it's just tons of Yankees every year. Yeah. And I want to say, did Jimmy Key have a great curveball or a great slider? Is it a curveball? It must be a curveball. I remember specifically enjoying, uh, I want to say, Jimmy Key's curveball. That being like a big deal. It was a, sli- it was a backdoor slider. Oh, it's a slider, okay. I was concerned I was confusing him with Jeff Nelson because then eventually Jeff Nelson showed up on the Yankees and he throws that slider that goes like 35 feet horizontally. Right. And it's the coolest thing you've ever used. It's like 73 miles an hour. He drops it down from halfway and the coolest thing. But okay, so Jimmy Key also a slider, not the same sort of slider. But I remember specifically respecting that even as a child. And thinking like this is not a thing you get to see when you watch most people pitch. Right. They don't. They don't seem to be the most effective. Like nobody wants to have the slider that moves the most. What you want is the, the hardest slider that just breaks straight down and just looks like a changeup if you're watching on TV. But the right. guys who throw the slider that breaks ten feet from left to right, that's like like a, yeah, like an Andrew Miller when he was in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's the coolest thing there is. Um, we really like that a lot. Are you there? Yeah, sorry. Oh, you're, no, you're fine. I, I made a little note. We're going to get all these cleaned up. Paul, we have one card left. Why don't, do, is it someone that I've heard of? Oh, yeah, but it's not a fun one at all. Oh, okay. Uh, do you remember back when the Mets, one of the many times the Mets were like, hey, we got all these uh, pitching prospects. Look for us to win the World Series very soon. Paul Wilson, right here. Oh, Paul. Tell everybody oh, all about it. I'm getting uh, a lot of nostalgic based on that rookie class card. Like, the looks of that rookie class, like the font and everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. What a... Whatever happened to Paul Nelson? I He, he kind of came back and had a career, I think, as the one who, as a starter. who So, yeah. it's Paul Wilson, Jason Isringhausen, and who's the third one? It was it was, it was Generation K, I wanted to say, is what they called it. Yeah. And then there was a third guy. Isringhausen, of course, had the relief uh, 
Right. He had a good. He ended up having a really great. He ended up really being fine, year. but not what you wanted. Paul Wilson had like some okay years with the Reds, I think. And then there's a third guy who was, I want to say, the the most disappointing. None of them turned oh, into stars. I have it. Who is it? Then you're gonna like it. Bill Pulsifer. Oh, that's a great. That's a great name for that era. Yeah. Uh, Bill that. Pulsifer. Yeah. And again, so as I was, I think I've said in one of our, these previous videos, these mid-90s Mets are just so incompetent and nothing works out, but there's cool guys around all the time. It's a very fun time. I have no qualms with the mid-90s Mets. It's just all the other incarnations of the Mets that I truly despise and wish they were not in organized baseball. And I, I think that does it. It was, it was a very good pack. I would say... The best pack I've opened so far. I am reinvigorated. Look for probably 10 to 15 new pack opening videos in the next week. Uh, but we have to move along. Paul, what sauce are you bringing to the table this week? John, I'm going to make it simple and I'm going to make it easy. We talked earlier about how I had a steak and it had blue cheese um, butter on it, which is great. If I don't have blue cheese butter, a lot of times if I'm going to make steak by myself at home, I'm going with a garlic Parmesan cream sauce. Oh, oh boy. It's deli It's easy to make. It's super, super tasty, especially on um, your leaner cuts of meat, which I usually like a filet and stuff like that that I usually go towards. Um and it's got like that perfect, uh, like it being like cream based. Like I like, you know, obviously like, um, Bernays, you know, like Bernays sauce and, and other things like that. But like when you get something that's just like a little bit thicker that like really coat, like it really coats it in your mouth. Oh, it's really, really delicious. That's a really good call. Um, you know, I like it a lot whenever I encounter it. I don't know that I've ever, I guess I wouldn't sit down. I would stand up to do it, but. Tell me about how you make this sauce yourself. Yeah, so I had, like, I, it, it is cheating. Like, I have a recipe, like, in my Gmail um, that I keep, like, recipes that I see um, coming across. But really, it's just, like, butter, garlic, um, flour, beef broth, um, cream cheese, uh, obviously, like, grated Parmesan cheese. Um, what else? And then like salt and pepper to taste, you know, like to, to, to taste basically. Um, and then like, I'm trying to think, uh, basil and oregano, you know, like your typical, like accoutrement or stuff like that. So, uh, it, it's pretty easy. Like, you know, melt, you melt the butter all and, and, and mix it with that uh, stuff and then whisk in the beef broth and oregano and basil and stuff like that. And, um, but no, it's, it's, it's delicious. Um, man, it's good. Sounds wonderful. It, it, it sounds basically like like you make a roux and then you add all these awesome flavors and then you just got like the best thing you could. Have. Yeah, it's it, it, it's super easy. It doesn't take long at all. Um, you know, it, and you can make like a decent amount of it and then use it for other stuff if you want to. So, I think it's great advice. I hope everybody does it. I think I might do it as well. Uh, we have time for just one last major topic today, and this is kind of. I'm not going to say this is a meta topic. It, well, it will be in some circumstances, but not like so broad that we should consider it as such. 
But as a little backstory, I don't know if you recall way back when in the early days of the, the COVID stay at home, uh, the NFL draft happened and we all mm-hmm. got on like a Zoom call and we chatted about it and it was a fun time. Yeah. And then one part of that fun time was uh, somebody, I many were involved, but people were like, A.O. Dillon, when are you going to be on the podcast? And then uh, Dylan was like, I will come on the podcast. And that was a big deal because I had texted Dylan several times before. Several times is too strong. I had texted Dylan before. Let's see if I can pull that up. Um, do you think- it was a pro- I, I remember it being a pretty monumentous moment. Um, when he said that he would do it, because I think we just all assumed that one, he didn't listen to it, to the podcast, and two, that there was no way that he would make enough time to sit down and do it. Exactly to both. I can't find my old text messages. I recall that at one point I texted Dylan and basically said, you have an open invitation to come on the podcast. Let me know when it's good for you. And I will estimate that was in 2017, and I I didn't hear back on that one just yet. But then uh, after the draft, I was like, I'm going to make this happen. April 27th, I texted Dylan. I I got on WhatsApp, and I messaged Dylan, any podcast recording availability this week? I think that should have been just after the draft. That was April 27th. May 4th, Dylan replied, crap, missed this next week. And I said, uh, that's fine. And some other stuff. Uh, May tw- Monday, May 25th. So I, in Dylan's defense, I allowed three weeks to pass. And then I said, it is time. Are you available this week? And then, uh, let's see. About 12 more days passed. And then Dylan replied that I have to text him that he doesn't check this ever. Paul, so as, as you can see, Dylan and I have had trouble getting on the same page. Right. But it occurred to me, I'm not sure if I'm ready to have him on. Interesting. Have, have, why, have, why do you... I, I do feel pressure. He is the only person in our, like, our fantasy football slash WhatsApp group who I've not had on the podcast. He's the only remaining one. Everybody else has been on. And I just, I wonder if, is is there stuff I need to do to prepare? Like, how can I make this work? Because in a, like Dylan is not only the most challenging guest to get on the podcast. Mm-hmm. I think he will be the most challenging guest on the podcast. Do you agree with that? I think I do. I think you're going to have to really cater it to what Dylan likes. So, uh, and I'm trying to think what that would be. And I, and it can't just be like you talk about Asian women the whole time. I agree that the podcast will not just be we talk about <laughs> Asian women the whole time. Um, so I thought like maybe there's different ways. So I have a couple of different things written down here for my concerns. To begin with, do you think I should try to impress Dylan? Do you think I should like dress up and be wearing a tie when he comes on so he sees me and maybe he'll respect me? 
Well, you're going to be wearing that, and Dylan will 100% be wearing a 1998 Phi Delta Theta shirt that <laughs> you can't possibly imagine still exists or like hasn't completely disintegrated yet. So maybe he will um, respect you, res- like respect you for wearing that, but it will not even be close to being reciprocated. His T-shirt is somehow like more stitching than cloth for putting <laughs> exactly. all of the holes back together. It'll look like a Tim Burton character. <laughs> Jack Skellington is into this shirt hard. Um, I also I have another concern. I think that we haven't we haven't even broached this topic yet. Topics, that's the biggest concern. I want to talk about what that's going to be. But before we get to that, Dylan is a pretty old guy. Do you think we are going to have major tech issues trying to get him on this call with me? Um, 100%. And that's being said from, from someone and, uh, you all probably won't be able to hear this because, uh, Johnny is so good at editing, but I've had the worst internet, uh, connection. So I feel, uh, I feel for Dylan there a little bit, but, um, you will 100% not be able to get him on Google Hangout. So just scrap that. Um, do you think I should just mail him a burner jitterbug that he can call me on? (laughs) Yes, please do. Please go get him like a cricket wireless, uh, like wireless the yeah the the jitterbug or the ones that they get for children, uh, that only has like two buttons on it and one of them is just preloaded with your number on it. And I'll just like write on the package, open this at this time, and then I'll just call right. it at that time. Yes, I and think that's the best. I think that's the best way to do it. I think so too. Okay, and then uh, the, the, we have one remaining thing, which is what we should talk about but first it occurred to me i totally screwed up uh as you see here i i, I drank my drink Ooh, beautiful i'm a smart guy i made a second drink and put it in my small drink fridge right outside this door i gotta go grab it i'll be right back oh small drink fridge so wonderful uh, children ready to go did you have you had it and what's impressive is that you had it in a similar, the same, a similar glass. It is the same glass, I, yes. I really, those are beautiful glasses. Uh, can I ask you what you're drinking? I am drinking uh, gin mm-hmm. and tonic mm-hmm. and a little splash of St. Germain. Oh, beautiful. And it, it, it's a wonderful summer drink. It sounds great. Yeah. Do you think... Dylan will want to tell me about what fancy drinks he likes to drink. Is that, should that be a good topic? Yes. I want to know what Dylan's been drinking. Well, he's, he said he's been drinking a lot, right? Didn't he say he was going through It was some large handle. It was like all vodka, though. A handle of vodka every week or something like that, or every two weeks. Um, I want to know also what vodka he's drinking. Because I could see Dylan, I could actually see Dylan. I don't think there's an in between of like um, 
Smirnoff, I think that it's either complete, absolute garbage that you would barely drink in college. So you think would... gar- you think absolute is garbage? That's how rich you are. <laughs> is that what he's drinking? No, I have no. I, you said complete, absolute garbage. Oh, well done. Or he has gone uppity on his alcohol, and it's like not even Grey Goose, but it's like some other like Russian five times filtered vodka. I don't think there's a. I don't think there's an in between. I think it's either pop off or some crazy like better than Grey Goose stuff. I think I am definitely inclined to agree there. I think that I. In fact, I bet it's the expensive one. Okay. Uh, I will say like that's we can sidebar here. I don't really respect vodka. Like I drink some vodka, but I'm not spending my money on vodka. Like no, neither am I. I, I buy handles of Tito's. That's then, I was gonna say. Yeah, Tito's is Tito's. What I buy, it's it's good. You know, for like for vodka, which I don't drink a lot of. Yeah. Um, it's like a good vodka. I've never had any like bad reaction to it or anything mm-hmm. like that. And you can get it for, you know, what's a handle, 26 bucks or something exactly. like that? If you buy the handle, then, and especially given how little vodka I drink, it's yeah. there forever. And then when it's almost gone, I just buy another handle. And I don't, like other things, like if, if I'm drinking whiskey, I'm like, oh, I'll try this thing, I'll try this thing. I haven't had that in a while. Vodka right. is just vodka. I don't want to drink paint thinner, but I don't want to spend more money than I have to. Right. Exactly. Like... You know, if you're walking by and you see, like, a whiskey distillery or something like that, you're like, oh, I want to go try all the different whiskeys they have. That sounds really fun. But you're not going to do the same with vodka. It's not something that's, like, a hobby, at least not that I know of anyone that's, like, is a big vodka enthusiast that is, like, oh, I've got, you know, 12 types of vodka at my house um, in in differing price levels or something like that um, that people do with bourbon and stuff like that. You just don't see it. Where do you stand on gin? Uh, I don't. I I wish that I liked gin because I think there's like a lot of cool cocktails out there that uh, that have gin in it. But if it's got a strong, I, I typically don't like drinks that have a super strong gin taste. I know I know that 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 you do, obviously. I have a story about my affection for gin, but I hope it doesn't get you down too much uh, because it's going to remind you of. A, a, a previous time when we used to get to go on trips and do cool things. Do you remember when that was the case? And we just took it for granted. We were just like, yeah, of course, whenever I want to, I'll just use a little bit of my money and I'll go to a place I've never been before. What a crazy right. thing. And like, I'll just go uh, be around people. Yeah, maybe we'll do that again someday. Uh, but anyway, about a year ago, around last July 4th, uh, I went to New Orleans with Gina and a friend of the podcast, Charlie Yorty. And we were all hanging out in a hotel room. And I was like, hey, yo, I just noticed we don't got enough uh, don't got enough booze around here. I'm going to go to the store and get us some booze. I'll be right back, friends. I'll cover this for us. Nobody else worry about it. I'll take care of getting it. Hero. Uh, Hero and my exactly, and then I like get out the door and I'm like taking the elevator down. And I get like one step out the hotel, and admittedly the uh, liquor store is like across the way, so 
They okay. did need to text me this quickly. But then I received a text, and it was like, hey, don't buy any more gin. We've had enough gin. Buy some vodka or something. <laughs> and so then I bought some gin and some vodka and brought it back. Because I wanted to continue drinking gin. But that is my affection for gin. That people were like, Johnny is forcing us to drink gallon upon gallon of gin. We'd love to well, switch you've, it up. You've gotten in that gin pocket now, you know, where you can have it. I feel like there are certain liquors, and I think you're in it, where you could just have maybe like eight or nine gin and tonics, and it doesn't like make you absolutely crazy. That's true, and so much of it. Gin, good, hot day drink. I was in fucking New Orleans on the 4th of July. It was, I, if I remember correctly, it was 110 degrees and 300% humidity. Like That sounds right. The environment was actively trying to kill my fat ass, and I could hardly do it. It was a big problem. And so the last thing I needed was dark liquor weighing me Sure. Down. So it was nothing but clear spirits. And if it's time for clear spirits to me, it's time to drink a bunch of gin. And I drank a bunch of gin. I also drank, like, way more vodka sodas than I've ever had in my life somehow. I don't know how I ended up with all these weird drinks on this trip. I'm not a vodka soda or vodka tonic guy at all. It was a weird time. But it was a good time. Um, someday we're all going to get to travel again. And it's going to be beautiful. I hope so. Uh, I don't think Dylan will want to talk about such depressing topics as that, though. So let's focus in. I want to do a good podcast with Dylan. What should I ask him about? Mid-90s Ohio State Buckeyes. <laughs> Just let him go. Just, Just let him Thorette still has a talk, chance in the NFL. Let him talk about Terry Glenn and like Antoine Winfield and Sean Springs. Uh, and if you want to get the longest podcast, I think that's that's where you go. Um, I'm trying to think what other good ones would be for Dylan. You think but about Dylan's that for a second. I like that idea, though. I think you have uh, cautiously stated a real concern for me, which is that I will get on this podcast with Dylan. We'll get like 10 minutes in, and he'll be like, I'm good. And end of the podcast if I don't bring up good enough topics. So I should really front load this with Ohio State. We're not talking, we're not doing the Asian women segment, but things that we think he will particularly be attuned to. You know what might not be a bad idea? Because Dylan is a good storyteller. Like every once in a while, Dylan will be like, oh, when I was uh, like a cop in Baltimore or DC or wherever it was, like this happened and it was crazy. Or like when I was doing that in college, this happened. I think maybe you call Mary ahead and be like, hey, give me some like beginning parts of some really good Dylan stories that I can tease out of him. I, yeah, I, so, I mean, what you're really saying is cheat, but I think it's a good idea. I think, I think preloading those stories is brilliant. And especially, especially asking Mary. So we, we basically pre-screened these. I assume she's not going to set me up for stories that I don't want to have. On right. The podcast. I think that's a good angle. And and to your point, I think you're either, and it kind of it goes similar to the vodka thing. I think the podcast with Dylan is either going to be um, 11 minutes, or it's going to be like two hours and 15 minutes, and I don't see much of an in between. 
You know, it hadn't occurred to me until now, but I mean, clearly, now that we've discussed this, the goal is I have to release this in two parts. Oh, my God. Oh, with like a, at the end, with like, come back next, exactly. like, cut Dylan yeah. off at a really good stopping point, and then it's, yes, that would be incredible. So, that, that, when, when this, and again, I am not, I, I will tell you, I have another podcast lined up already before I even consider recording with Dylan. So this is okay. now that we had been talking about it and hadn't gotten it done, I realized I need to get more work in. I have to get back into game shape. I haven't been doing many of these podcasts. I got to get good at it so I can do a good enough job with Dylan. So it's going to well, be all, a minute before it comes out. We've all got so used to the quarantine, so we're not doing the things how we used to do them because we're just getting, you know, sucked into doing nothing and yearning for things to open up safely um but so i don't i don't blame you for like taking i don't blame you for taking some time off from the pod because it, there's a lot of things that i haven't done and continued with just because everything the quarantine has gone so long and some really bad shit has happened and it, it hasn't been the forefront of like you know your attention i'm sure um I'll, I'll be honest, I really thought that Boogaloo was going to throw a firebomb in my house for like three days there. I'm glad it didn't happen. But like, yeah. for a minute, I was just like, well, I guess I should go like get a baseball bat and just sit in my foyer and wait for Boogaloo to show up so I can try to kill them. Right. So good times. <laughs> uh, it didn't happen, so that's been good. Uh, but yeah, you, you're right. It's It's been a strange time, even disregarding stuff. Uh, stay-at-home orders, which we should probably uh, not be taking off, but I guess we're going to anyway. Hey, guys, outdoors. Go to things that are outdoors. Don't go to things that are indoors. And if you got to hang around at them outdoors, wear a mask. If you're wearing a mask and you're outdoors, I bet you're doing pretty fucking good. Oh, man, please wear masks. Yeah. People are really getting if, lax on it. If you have to go to a thing inside, you don't get to go if you're not wearing a mask. But right. if you're wearing a mask and you're outdoors, you're probably doing pretty well. Like, like don't like make out with people through your masks. But like, unless it, 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 it's a, it's a high bar to pass to be concerned about outdoors distancing, wearing a mask. If you're doing all that stuff, you're great. We can do some stuff. You just don't get to go inside and do some stuff. Which is why, I mean, we we can travel. We just have to drive long distances in our cars. Right. And then, I don't know what, I guess sleep in your car when you get there would be a good plan, too. Uh, but do you, do you think it's good that we're ending the podcast on, like, a note of paternalistic advice <laughs> that everybody right. already knows? Like, yeah, thanks, Johnny. Yeah, I hadn't noticed yeah. that people seem to think that outdoors is better than indoors. <laughs> but it's fucking true. Everybody's got it. Maybe if, if, if we hear it and we think about it, we'll all believe it more. 100%. And when Dylan... You know what? That's the one thing we left out. Dylan, po Dylan's podcast with me has three possible lengths. Two hours split into two parts. 11 minutes because Dylan cuts it off. Or 30 seconds because at the very beginning, Dylan tells me about Plandemic and I end the podcast. <laughs> Better not be that one. If there's that one, I'll be mad. That'd be very bad. Uh, anyway, that's uh, going to bring us to the end of the show. Paul, do you have anything you'd like to plug? I do. Uh, 
I, and there's plenty of resources out there, but one that I found um, helpful because I uh, am obviously moving into a new house soon is uh, Gear Patrol, uh, the website called Gear Patrol, which just has like stuff you can stuff you can buy and like stuff that's come out. Released last week a list of uh, black-owned like furniture and like home goods uh, stuff and, and companies. So uh, ch- check it out. If you'll probably have to scroll down a little bit because it was from last week, but uh, I thought it was a really good list. So I would check uh, check that out if you're looking to you know upgrade furniture, or if you're looking to upgrade like, bed sheets or uh, different things like that. So yeah, yeah, check it out. That's fucking fantastic. That's gear. It's like just gearpatrol.com. Yeah. I was not aware of that, but I like it a lot. And I'm wasting all my money all the time. Let's waste it in good directions. When I went, like, hey, I could use another pair, another set of sheets. Let's get them in 100%. a good way. Exactly. I like that a lot. Uh, I have I have a plug. Paul White here. Have you ever heard of a TV show called Taskmaster? Uh, no. The only Taskmaster I know is from the old WCW when he had like a brood of people that Hulk Hogan had to fight to get to him. Um, but TV show, no, I do not know. Enlighten me. Uh, there's this uh, English TV show called Taskmaster. And it's sort of like a panel show where they there's like a host and a co-host and they just bring out like four comedians to talk to him. Except uh, the whole conceit is that over the course of the previous like several months, they have filmed a bu- like the comedians trying to do specific tasks, and they all go to a house, and there's like they go to, like the comedian will go to a house, just one of them, and there'll be a camera crew there, and then there'll be like a little letter they open up, and it says here's your task, and so they will, then they have to just do it, and they don't know how the other ones did. And so, and the, the tasks are very open-ended. As an example, uh, one of them in the in the first season is uh, you go to the house and it's like go to the backyard, and you go to the backyard, and there's like a bathtub set up on a pedestal, and you walk up and take the thing up, and it says empty the bathtub without damaging the bathtub and without removing the plug. Fastest time wins. Oh, and so then it's just figure out how to do it, and so you can, and then like, and like, and sometimes there'll be more specific rules, sometimes there won't. And here it's like, if you want to just go in the house and find some shit you think will help, go and look for it. And all the people, like nobody's, it's, it's one person at a time, and they're filmed separately, so nobody knows what anybody else did. And right. so people have wildly different ideas about how to resolve these things. And it's a great deal of fun, and. It is it is scored very uh, exactly, but also arbitrarily, and so it, it, like many things are like like one time they did uh, the camera is set up right there. Do something that you think will look cool if we play it backwards on the show, and so then and then you have half an hour, and then they just have to come up with something and do it, and then they show it backwards on the show, and so it is very. Uh, Arbitrary, and the the host just picks who he thinks did a good job. But it is a great deal of fun, and also fun is the fact that the first like six or seven seasons are on YouTube for free now. 
because everybody's at home. Where can I go find it? Yeah, like I say, if you if, if you just uh, if you go to like the Taskmaster on YouTube, it's just there, and then uh, you can have it for free. I know at some point they you have to pay for them. I also know there is an American version, which you will be shocked to learn. An American version of an English TV show didn't exactly work out great. Not as good. Uh, apparently, the host was Reggie Watts, who I love deeply and have great affection yeah. for. But the host of the English version is so angry and powerful and demonstrative. It couldn't be further from like Reggie's demeanor and everything I've ever right. known him in. So uh, it seems like a huge mistake they had him do that i also like i haven't actually heard about this show because i read about people saying i read like a thing somewhere saying like shows that should be remade and it was like they should do another american version and it said reggie yeah. didn't really work and also it might be impossible because the american comedians were like too cool for school and nobody wanted to really try whereas the english comedians are just like going all out and really not afraid of embarrassing themselves really yeah. trying to win and it's so much fun I've watched of course it's a British show so there's only like five or six episodes per season I guess they would say series I've been saying season but I uh, I think I've watched the first three and I've been having a fantastic time with it and if this sounds like this was something I read about and I was like I couldn't I have no, I know I will like that show and so if you're listening to this and you think that then you will probably like it too so I think I might shot. watch an episode. I think I might watch an episode after this, John. That sounds great. It, it's really great, and it is the best. Like, I am hiding from the virus in my house, and I want right. a relaxing TV show to throw on at the end of the night, type of thing. I like it a lot. Nice. Paul White here. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. I've had a fantastic time. John, always a pleasure. So much fun. Thanks for having me. We'll do it again very soon. Best wishes in the Israeli day.